to everything there's a season to everything there's a season and for us as we've been going through the book of acts we arrive at chapter 14 and we've seen what the lord has been doing amazing things because the lord jesus christ died but he rose again he was risen he's risen and at this point he chooses his disciples uh, to go into all the nations and we are giving in acts 1 8 the whole uh, outline of the book of acts but also of what he wants us to do what he wants us to accomplish once he's been ascended into heaven the word of the lord says that at that point uh, when he gathered all the disciples, Acts 1.8, if you would join me there, um, the Bible says here in 1.8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. So as we have seen at this point, the gospel has reached Jerusalem. Then he went by the hand of Peter. He, he went into Samaria and also to the Gentiles in, book ten, in, in chapter 10 to Cornelius. And as we get to chapter 13, we realize that the church is acquiring, is, is understanding the responsibility that it has to reach out not only to Jewish people, but to everybody in the world, because as the Lord says, even into the ends of the earth. So the, the church takes upon that responsibility in chapter 13, and what it what he does, prays over to find out who of the leaders in the, church of, in the church in Antioch is going to be sent out to be the, care, the ones that are going to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ to people that haven't heard the name of Jesus yet. And, and it comes to, um, to Paul and Barnabas, and they head out, they go to, to the island of Cyprus, and eventually they reach out Europe, they begin preaching the word there, and we're coming to the end of their first journey. We're coming to the end of a first journey. So this is really important, what's going to happen. Because sometimes, you know, we could, we could feel like, okay, I've done that, been there, done that, I don't have to do it again, thank you, Jesus, and uh, go back and I can rest. Sometimes we could feel like, well, I did it, I don't have to be accountable to anybody, nobody really helped me, so why do I need to go back and tell people what I did? What I did, I did it because I wanted to do it, and I don't have to give any account, any accountability to anybody. I did it because the Lord called me. How beautiful it is that the continuing work of the disciples, as we're going to see right now, they understand now that they finished the first time, the first uh, missionary journey, and now they have to go back to church. They have to go back to the church that sent them out, and it's really, really important um, that we understand that part. We are not here alone by ourselves. We are under authority. Whether it's Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ, the elders, the pastor, but I am under, I'm under authority. And that's okay. Because that means that I have to give an account of the things that I've been accomplishing or the things that the Lord has been accomplishing through me 
through us. It's really important that we're always looking up to somebody, somebody that is helping us. And uh, when I was young, my pastor in Mexico used to ask, where's your Paul and where's your Timothy? Meaning, there's, you, we, always, we always have to have somebody that we're looking up to, somebody that we're learning from, like a Paul was to Timothy. But also, where's your Timothy? Somebody that you are training, that if, you, that if the Lord would take you home, Somebody could take your place and continue the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, your work here. So it's really important that we always have somebody that's our Paul, but also somebody that, are, that is our Timothy. This is the moment when they go back. But what is it they do? This is really interesting. Let's go together, please, to Acts chapter 14. So they have reached out now to places that they, the gospel has never been preached. Do you understand, do we understand that many of the times that chapters 13 and 14, as it's telling us, is the first time that the Lord Jesus Christ is proclaimed in that part of the world? Isn't that exciting? Doesn't that excite you? Because in sometimes, you know, you understand that about 48% of the world, according to Barna, 48% of the world has not trusted in Christ as, the, as their personal Savior or because the Lord is not proclaiming that area. So we haven't reached out yet to the uttermost parts of the world. That's still our responsibility. But this is the first time that disciples did it, and now they're coming back to give the account of what happened while they were, being, they were in this journey. So the Bible says in Acts 14, verses 21 to 28, it says the following. After they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying, Through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. When they had appointed elders for them in every church, having prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they have believed. They passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia. I try to be Mexican and, and try to say that in English. Anyway. When they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Atalia. From then they sailed to Antioch, from which they had been commended to the grace of the Lord for the work that they have accomplished. When they had arrived and gathered the church together, they began to report all things that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith, of faith for the Gentiles. And they spent a long time with the disciples. Dear Heavenly Father, we are here together wanting to learn from you, leaning on your word, which is truth. And we want to make the same. We want to imitate those disciples that you sent out to preach the gospel and then come back and give an evaluation and account of the things that you've done through us and through them. Father, we want to be faithful. And for that, we thank you for the opportunity of studying your word and putting it in practice. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the continuing work of the disciples is what we're going to be looking at today. To everything there's a season, and obviously it has to end. So the end of the first missionary journey is at hand And this is what we're going to be studying. 
But the first, the verse 21, it tells us what is that they continue to do after they had preached the gospel to that city. Isn't it amazing that when they left um, Antioch and they got into Cyprus, what they do, they went to the synagogue and then they preached the gospel, right? But then they go to the next city and what they do is they go to the synagogue and they preach the gospel. Then they move into inland, into Europe, and they go to the synagogue to preach Jesus Christ. Now, what happens then, little by little, uh, there's more opposition. To the point that last week we saw how Peter, after, uh, Paul, after he preached, and, and uh, because he, didn't, he wasn't quiet, he was always talking, they said, oh, this is Mercury. This is the God that, that is the, the, the one that proclaims the word of Zeus, Jupiter. I guess he was older and he was more wise, but you know, Barnabas, is, uh, they think that he is Zeus or Jupiter. And isn't it amazing, right? First they said, oh, he, they're gods. Gods are among us. And then when they say, no, we're not gods, we're just men, then they go and kill him, and then try to kill him. Um, that's why we don't trust people, right? Because sometimes they, they could say, yeah, yeah, you're wonderful. And then the next day they say, uh, you really are not that wonderful. So get out of my face. Um, it's really interesting. Now, after they have preached in that city, they move to the next city. And what is that they do? You know, probably Barnabas is telling Paul, you know, Paul, last time it didn't go very well. You were preaching and then you got kind of beat up. You were left out uh, for dead. So maybe we shouldn't, maybe we should change the strategy. Sometimes we are prompt to do that, right? When, the, when our friends tell us, you look like a fanatic, you cannot stop talking about Jesus. Oh no, now you talk, every, you invite me to your small group all the time. You invite me to the church. Oh my word, when are you going to be quiet? Or kids, when you met at the pole, right? See you at the poll during the week. Some of us, we don't want to go there because we are afraid that other people are going to single, uh, single us out and identify us as Christian, as fanatics. And we say, no, we, we better change the strategy. What do we see in the word of the Lord? Verse 21. Even if opposition grows, we don't change the strategy. This place, this, this country, when I was growing up, in Mexico, I remember my mom saying, oh, up in the U.S., everybody's a Christian. Everybody knows the Bible. Everybody bows before the Lord Jesus Christ as personal Savior. And then when I came about 21 years ago, my eyes were open to the real truth. Many people know about Christ, but they don't know Him personally. One thing is to have a lot of information about Jesus Christ. Another thing is to really surrender your life and say, I trust no one for my salvation. You are my God. You are my Lord. And to you, I trust my life. Not only my life today, but my eternal life. So you might have a lot of knowledge of Jesus Christ. You might have gone to Sunday school ever since you were young. But if you haven't confessed the Lord Jesus Christ, and live as such, as Him being your personal Savior, Lord, your Lord, then you might have a lot of information about Him, but you might not know Him personally. That's why it's so important for Paul to go and not change the strategy. So what he did, 
he went and after they had preached the gospel in that city and they made many disciples, they returned. And now he's going to tell us the way they did it. They went to Lystra, to Iconium, and then to Antioch. So that's the end of the journey. The goal, the end goal. So they are, they are praying and they are thinking, hey, Barnabas, I think it's time to go back. And they said, I agree. So he's telling us now the way, the route they're going to take to go back home in Antioch. But he's gonna, now he's going to start filling information, telling us wh- how the journey went. So first, today, we're going to see the disciples preach the gospel. Do you ever feel that the same activity over and over and over and over could be extremely tedious? The work of the gospel, the work of preaching the gospel should never, never be tedious to us. The ones that are carrying the gospel to others that don't know it. But then look at verse 22. What other things they are supposed to do? Strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying, through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. The disciples encourage one another. My dear brothers and sisters, according to the Lord Jesus Christ, we are living a victorious life. Amen? I mean, we've, we've been forgiven. Uh, we don't have to work anymore for our salvation. We don't have to work anymore for that. If you have trusted in Jesus Christ, you already have it. You're, could you just breathe right now? And let the air out. Do you feel that peace? That tranquility? That sense of everything is right? It's because we have experienced the forgiveness of the Lord. And we don't have to work anymore. Anymore. So that we will be more saved today than we were yesterday. We are already saved. And we have that peace. We should have that peace. We should live in victory. And you know, many people out there say that uh, because we are daughters and, and sons of the Lord, who is the King of Heaven, then we should live like prince or princes or not prince, the, no, no, no. We should live like a king. Um, why do we need the encouragement, I wonder? Why do they need to be encouraged by Barnabas and Paul? You know Why? Because the Christian life could get tough from time to time. My dear brothers and sisters, how many of us, um, please don't show, uh, do not show your hands, don't lift up your hand, but how many of us have felt sadness, loneliness, a deep sense of dissatisfaction, even to the point of depression? How many of you of us have lost friends, good friends, and we, you know, we look around and we see some empty chairs. Chairs that used to be filled by other people that we love and care for. And they're no longer around us. And you know, sometimes that discourages. Right? So how important it is that the apostle, that both apostles, they go and they encourage one another. Because sometimes the Christian, church, the Christian life could get a little tough. Do you agree? You know, just turn around and say to the one, yeah, it gets tough from time to time. It gets tough from time to time. And how important it is then at that point now, oh, but Antonio, you know, you're being too negative today, Antonio. I go to church so that I could be encouraged. 
I go to, I go to church because I am, I am in victory. Victory is mine. Victory is mine. And I just walk in. And the reality, my dear brothers and sisters, is that we need encouragement because sometimes life gets tough. A year ago, Harvey, seven of our family, seven of our dear friends, their homes were flooded here from Redeemer. You think that they needed encouragement at the moment when the water was all the way up to their knees? You think they needed encouragement? You think they needed encouragement a month after that? Six months after that? Some of them, even a year after that, they still haven't finished to build their homes. So because of it, we need to be an encouragement to one another. So how important it is that he goes back and preach encouragement and encourage one another. But why? What, what kind? What, what's the, the part that needs to be encouraged? There in verse 22, it tells us, strengthening the souls of the disciples, the suke of the disciples, because, you know, we get our souls sometimes get weary with wandering and different problems. But then it says, uh, encouraging them to continue what? In the faith. Because when we are in the middle of struggles, you know, um, Redeemer Community Church has been uh, around 20 years. We had a great celebration a few months ago. Redeemer in Espanol is celebrating two years this coming Tuesday, so today's our celebration. That's why we're going to have a lot of food, and it's awesome. That's why we choose today as that. I believe we have experienced some trials recently. And because of it, some of us uh, may have uh, struggled right now with financial battles, with health battles, with family battles, with faith battles. The apostle knew very well what was like to be ostracized by family, by friends, by society. That's why besides preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, he has to encourage the believers to persevere in the faith. Have you, have you had a struggle of faith? Have you had a situation where it's like, I have no money to pay for gas struggle? At school, I have been ridiculed for believing in God struggle. I cannot get up from bed because I'm so depressed. Struggle. Where is your God? Where are you, God, when it's, hurt, when it's hurting? Where are you, Lord? That kind of struggle. Have you ever ha have that where you begin to doubt if a loving God is with me, why do I feel so lonely? How important it is then at that moment to have somebody that comes to you, that prays for you, when our faith is being under attack. And I'm afraid that probably I'm not the only one that has faced those kinds of circumstances. I'm afraid that there's a lot of us that want to put a facade sometimes on Sunday when people ask, how are you doing? Fine. But it's right here. It's only the facade. It's only in front. Because deep down inside of us, we feel lonely, rejected, afraid, and we think that Christians should never confess that because that's not to live the victorious life. Oh, my dear brothers and sisters, how important it is to acknowledge that we're struggling so that we would then, in turn, offer others the opportunity to encourage our lives. 
And I know that you don't, you're not going to lift your hand and say, I need encouragement. But if you need that, please let us know. I know that in time, probably we here at Redeemer have failed you. We have let you down. Let us give, give, give us another opportunity to be an encouragement to you. Give us a call. Write an email. Do something. Let us know that you're struggling because we want to be an encouragement. And we want not only to give you words of encouragement, but to encourage your faith so that you could endure day to day. Life sometimes gets hard, and because of it, we need one another, especially words of encouragement. And then it says, just to continue, uh, because verse 22, strengthening the soul of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. That's why we need to be encouraged. That's why we need to keep up with the faith, because there might be tribulations. There might be trials. The word here is flipsis. It's a kind of interesting word. From philbo, and philbo in the original means to put something and crush it. To put enough pressure on something to the point of crushing it. I don't like that. I didn't like that word. Especially because it's, it's uh, one of the apostles who was saying, through many circumstances that might press enough our lives that I feel like we're crushing us. That we're being surrounded by such pressure that we're at the point of giving up. And it's at that moment that we probably need to say something like, Sing the wondrous love of Jesus. Sing His mercy and His grace. In the mansions bright and blessed, He'll prepare for us a place when we all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be when we all see Jesus. We'll sing and shout the victory. You know, sometimes we're going to feel like the pressure is coming completely upon us. Yeah, I know. I sang that pretty high, right? Next, I'll try to lower it a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> but when you feel that that health situation that you're going through, when you might feel that your marriage is at stake, is in trouble, when you feel that your children are living and not coming back to the Lord. When you see more empty chairs in this auditorium, just remember, this is not home. This is not my home. I just, what? I'm just passing through. Because that's exactly what it says. Through many trials and tribulations, it's necessary that we go through so that we end up where? In the kingdom of God. This, this is just when we're going to get then home persevere till we get home persevere till we get home so after they have done all that and after they have preached the gospel they've gathered the believers they're encouraging them because life sometimes gets tough 
They're encouraging their faith, reminding them that it is necessary sometimes that we go through different circumstances, tribulations, but that this is not home. Our home is there. So even though many things we've encountered here, that's the end goal. We're, we're going to go there. What are we going to do then as leaders now? We need to get organized. We need to get organized. And what it does, what they do, which is beautiful, they don't leave just a bunch of believers there and say, you know what? I don't have a lot of time, so you're going to have to find a way to organize yourselves. See you later. No, it says in the Word that then they group the believers in each one of the churches. This is verse 23, 23rd. It says the following. When they had appointed elders for them in every church, having prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they have believed. So the disciples appoint leaders. This is really important. Members become leaders. Leaders become leaders of leaders who become elders or pastors. The difference between a pastor and an elder, we believe, is one is called to be a pastor and to be full-time dedicated to that endeavor and usually gets paid for that. But an elder, an elder, it's appointed by the Lord. He's called as such. He agrees to that, and he dedicates a lot of time to it, but he's a volunteer, generally speaking. You mean he does that for free? You mean he spends all that time, energy, to discipline, direct, and, uh, and encourage other people? You mean that they do that, but without any pay? Well, because the benefits are out of this world. Amen? Uh, nonetheless, this is exactly what they're doing. They're gathering believers that have other jobs and that in their time, they're going to be able to delegate, to designate a little bit of time so that they would be able to uh, support, to help, to bless other people through uh, with their time and guiding the church. That's a huge responsibility. Who would like to do something like that? Um, if you are an elder or you have been an elder here at the Church of Redeemer, would you please raise your hand? This is not the time to be thank you. This is not thank you. Uh, I don't see Hank lifting his hand. Thank you, Hank. Um, we need to be constantly doing a couple of things for them. The Bible says here, and, and honestly, I, I see other guys amongst us that should be elders. They have the training. They have the capacity. We need, as church, we need to pray and fast for them so that the Lord would continue strengthening them. You think that only believers need encouragement? The ones they get to the position of pastors or elders, that they no longer need, uh, that they no longer have problems and now their life is solved and they don't need encouragement. Um, you know, it's very interesting. The people here, here in, in church is really interesting because the only time that we notice the sound engineers, look back please, over there, the only time that we notice them is when something goes wrong, right? It's the only time that we notice that they are them because when everything goes smooth, Nobody even goes back and says, thank you very much, right? But at the moment that something is, sounds like, eep, and everybody, or a few, just look around and sometimes with evil looks, like, how 
dare you, right? They would never tell us that, but that's usually what happens. You think they need encouragement every once in a while just to keep up their good work? Let's give them a hand. Thank you so much. They are, but just like them, there's the, the ladies, the men that helps us with the children, with the youth. And just like them, the elders sometimes don't hear from you until we have complaints, right? But very seldom we go to them and we say, thank you so much for your works. Thank you so much. How could I pray for you? Is there anything that I could do to make your, the, the heavy load that you're carrying in your shoulder to make it a little bit light? Now, elders, when people come to us, to you, and they ask you that. Take the word. Take, the, take that opportunity to lower the burden of your shoulders. Because they are here. The Lord has placed us here so that we could support you as well. But isn't it beautiful that uh, Paul gets there, he appoints the elders, and it says that he prayed for them, and, and after praying and fasting, verse 23, they commanded them to the Lord in whom they have believed. So, by entrusting them, verse 23, by submitting to them is that we're going to serve them, but also we're going to serve the elders by praying and fasting for them. There's a Latin American saying, the duck that moves, duck, the duck that moves gets shot at. Right? The duck that moves gets shot at. Yeah, when, those of you hunters, God bless you. No, those of you hunters, which is great, uh, you go out and do duck hunting, and you're there, and you have your, that little thing that makes the, the sound, right? To see if there's somebody, something that moves there. And at the moment that that one moves, then that's the right opportunity to show your, um, your expertise. It's the same in church, in a sense. When somebody's appointed an elder... If he moves because he's been a faithful man and he's established from the rest, let me tell you, at that moment, you're, you might be get shot at. I mean, not literally, metaphorically. I hope, right? Metaphorically only. But the, the reality is that it gets tough sometimes. And because of it, it's really important that we as a church, we continue to pray for them and fast for them. And if you agree, say amen. Amen. Um, Sometimes, you know, as pastors and, and staff members, uh, we, we don't hear, but sometimes we only hear complaints. Love this week for you to take a piece of paper, take your computer and send a note to an elder, to somebody who works at church, uh, to our ladies that helps us with the children. And why don't we just all write a word of encouragement to the people I think the most important ministry, just to me, is coffee. Amen. I, I, that's just me. I mean, that's... Uh, but, but sometimes even they, the only thing they hear is, oh, it's weak. Today is weak. Right? Uh, so, I think it's so important to express our opinions. But more than anything, to express encouragement to one another. Look up here. Wouldn't it be beautiful that Redeemer, Redeemer is known 
for its doctrine. Amen? Sound doctrine. Wouldn't it be beautiful that Redeemer would be known as an encouraging church? A church that you come here and when you leave, you feel, you live with your heart full of joy, that even though trials sometimes, we face trials, that we live with a sense of hope and faith that everything is going to be okay because Jesus Christ is next to me. Because the Holy Spirit is living in me. And because of it, even if the things go down the drain, I could have a peace. Wouldn't it be beautiful that when people come here and they see us, uh, that, they, that we would reach out the aisle and say, can I pray for you? How can I pray for you? What are you struggling with that I could be an encouragement to during this week? And we know in the last couple of months, we've had a few people, a few people that have been through cancer, that had broken bones, uh, others that are maybe struggling with, with uh, discouragement in other areas of their lives. Wouldn't it be wonderful that we could just join together and support those people that are in need, not in financial need, but a word of encouragement, including our elders, not only appoint them, and entrusting them and submitting to them, but also praying and fasting for them. Finally, got to run. Not only they go back, they encourage people, they preach the gospel, they encourage one another, but now they're going to go back, and the disciples are accountable to one another. They're accountable. They recognize that even though they've been sent by the Lord Jesus Christ, Right there, now they have to go back and tell the people what the Lord has done there in the first missionary journey. But I, I bet, I don't, Christians don't bet, they tell me. Okay, whatever. Um, I imagine that they're not going back to church, to Antioch, so that they could have a palm in, their, you know, a palm in the back and, good job. You did amazing, great. I don't think they're going for that, brothers and sisters. Maybe there's another reason. Maybe, maybe they do. But I don't think that's the primary reason. I think the primary reason is because it is important that we would be accountable to one another and to share ultimately what the Lord has been doing in our work, how the Lord has blessed the work of our hands and so that we could all rejoice by saying, look at what the Lord has done. So today we are not here to give honor and glory to Redeemer. But we are here to give honor and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. But because of it, I would like for the Spanish congregation to stand up. Spanish congregation. Quisiera que la congregación español se pusiera de pie en estos momentos. And there's other ones that are not here because they are outside serving right now the food. So Redeemer in English, we want to tell you, thank you. And in a sense, we're coming right now to be accountable to you to say, this is what we've been doing with the trust that you put in our hands. It's not us. It's the Lord. Why don't we continue this? But not only in Spanish, but in English. And maybe in other words, in other languages. Right, Ralph Scoffier? <laughs> maybe in French. I don't know. Sit down. Thank you. You may be seated.
It's for the Lord. It is for the Lord. But you know, something beautiful happens when we go back, when we go back and we tell others what God has been doing. It encourages our hearts. He helps us to carry on. Even though we go through different circumstances, we can say to the Lord, thank you so much for helping us. Would we do more? Could we do more? Could we accomplish more for the glory of the Lord? So let's join together. Let's join our strength and give honor and glory to the Lord because He's worthy of it. And what a beautiful thing then that Paul and Barnabas go back because sometimes we get the idea that the apostles are completely autonomous and they have no need to tell others what the Lord has been doing. No. It's important that they would know what, they would give an account of what they were doing about their work, but also because they need to be in communion. The last verse, verse 28, check what it says. And they spend a long time with the disciples. We are accountable to one another, and we need to be accountable of our, our work, also because we need to be in communion with one another. In closing, what did we learn today then? Applications, three more. Think of something you have been praying for. Think for so of someone that you've been praying for and take the gospel to him or her. Because that's what the apostles did. They went, they preached the gospel. I think we need to do the same. Think of someone you've been praying for and take the gospel to him or her. Number two, Think of someone who needs encouragement and give them a call, an email, some way of contact. Some of our dear friends here have been through cancer and I'm afraid that some of them have not received a lot of words of encouragement from us or even a phone call. And say the same, say the following. Father, I commit this day of the week to pray for the pastor and the elders at Redeemer. Father, I commit this, fill in the blank, could be Wednesday, could be Thursday, could be, but put some, write something there. And I commit that day to pray for the pastor and elders of Redeemer and maybe something else and let them know where you are praying for them. Because just like we all need encouragement, so do they. Heavenly Father, we are here today, gather in your name, knowing that the work of the disciples need to continue, need to carry, be carried on still. We thank you, Father, for the food that we're going to about to have. Thank you for that. That Redeemer is growing. Thank you for people that had vision, Lord, that 20 years ago decided to plant a place, a church, here in this location and Father, thank you that your plan is different than ours. Maybe it is, Father, that they didn't think that we were going to reach out to that many people and that Spanish would be speak spoken that much in a service like today. Maybe that's not what they had in mind, but it's what you had in mind. So, Lord, help us to have the faith to continue working for you, for your honor and your glory, to continue the work that disciples need to do for your honor and your glory. And help us to carry, to continue the work of the disciples here in this corner 
for you. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.